Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, Kevin's talking about the CPARS process with Shelly Hall, a former contracting officer and member of the Skyway team. Let's get started. Okay, we talked through the importance of CPARS, the Contractor Performance Assessment Reporting System, our first acronym of the day, in a couple other podcasts. Uh, you and I have done plus ones you've done with Paul. So today we're going to go through the, pot, the CPARS process flow, and we're also going to cover a couple of things not to do in, in managing your CPARS as a contractor. What, what is CPARS again? Refresh us on this. Okay, it stands for the Contractor Performance Assessment Reporting System. And what it really is, is a report card for government contracts. It's just that simple. Well, let's get into like, what happens with these things? Like, how do you, how do you get them? What, what's the process? Well, a CPARS is done at the end of each contract completion period. And it used to be, you know, those were always cycled with the end of the fiscal year. But uh, now it's at the period of performance end. So it could be at the end of the first year performance. And one is done at the end of each option period, and then one is done at the end of the contract. And then if you have, let's say, a construction contract that goes for six months, then at the end of that six months, you would do the C part. So it's always at the end of each contract completion period. So is the contract completion period tied to the contract line item, to the CLIN? It is. Okay. So so, so when we say contract completion period, we're talking about each CLIN, and we had an episode about what a CLIN is in episode 35, I think. It was a long time ago. Wow. But we do have one. So if you just if you just type in what is a CLIN, you'll find it. But basically, yeah. okay, now that makes sense. So you could have one that actually has a lot of CPARs if it has a lot of CLINs, or you could have one like with that construction project where it's one big CLIN and you only got one. And, and right. knowing the difference is a big deal. Okay. There's the first thing <laughs> that I'd forgotten. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, yeah, it is because it's it's really important that they understand that that it goes for each completion period. So let's just say for some reason they only exercise two options. That way you can see you know it's only over three years. But if it was a five year period, so you might be more likely to look at them a little more favorably if maybe in the beginning they had you know satisfactories and then they moved up to exceptionals. So it is important. Oh, I see what you're saying, that you'd be able to see the the, the, the tracking progress of the, the trend yeah, over, the over trend. the five years because it's each CLIN has an individual CPARS report. Yeah. Cool. So, okay, why is this stuff so important? Like, where, where does it impact contractors? Well, it's used in source selections, usually in the past performance area. Past performance teams are going to look at a lot of information when they're evaluating past performance, but the CPARS usually carries the most weight. And I know there's some you know, talk about, but yeah, we can do PPQs, past performance questionnaires, and those are on current contracts, and those are from real people. Well, that is all true. However, if you're only sending a PPQ to your buddy, who's your best friend, who's going to say you do everything gloriously, that's really (laughs) not going to be, you know, really show actually how you perform, where the CPARS is much more of a subjective they have to go through a process and all that kind of thing. And, you know, bad C parts can be dealt with, but it's better to never, never, never get. 
You never get a bad one. Yeah, yes, just don't get a bad one because that's easier. But I mean, you know, if if you if you do get a bad one, we can we can fix them. We've had another whole another whole podcast on that, but it's better not to get. You know, I remember I supervised civilian and military, and you know, they'll say, you know, there's only so many fives I can give out, you know. But it, it's it's not really structured like that. It's performance against the contract, not against other contractors. And as you said here, we did cover this in 110 and 174, kind of different aspects of the CPARs. So let me, I'm going to pick it up. You dropped a whole lot of knowledge bombs. There. I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you go really fast. Did your head okay. explode? Oh my God. No. Yeah. So first of all, you mentioned PP, PPQs or past performance questionnaires. And I like your point of, they can be very subjective. So Vicki, who's also on our team, she handles the pre-award stuff. She mentioned that she's seeing a trend where they're using fewer PPQs, past performance questionnaires, and they're leaning more on the CPARs. Probably for the reason you just mentioned, is that it's much more holistic. I'll say it that way. It's, the CPARs is going to be across all of your contracts, and you're not going to select, you, the offer, aren't going to select who, the, who fills out the PPQ. Whereas a, a past performance questionnaire, I'm going to give it to my three happiest customers. Whereas the government looks at the CPARs and they're going to see all your customers that filled out CPARs, the happy ones and unhappy. So this thing is becoming more important. That's the first nugget. Um, the second one that you, you pointed out was you can fix a bad CPARs. It's, it, it's not like a, it's a black eye that's there forever if you don't deal with it. But there are ways to deal with it. And, and again, we'll, we have podcasts about that. And the last thing, I like your point about the appraisal. This whole idea of you can only give so many fives, like the appraisal system in the government, was so you get one through five or one through ten, and only, this guy already got the five for our section, so somebody else can't get one. It's not the same model, and I think it's important to understand that because it's how you've it's designed to be how you've performed against the, the contract requirement. Now, this is interesting because I was talking to one of our customers about this, and when you and I will do a whole podcast about this topic, but I want to drop it in here real fast. When he's submitting his past performance record, he's going to show his CPARS record. It's got five levels to it, right? There's five layers, five levels of success on his CPARS. But the evaluation of past performance is often only three, meaning are you red, are you yellow, are you green? So what happens sometimes is that say, oh, we already gave somebody a green. The perception is that we already gave somebody a green, so we can't give all the contractors greens or it neutralizes the value. So my point of mentioning this is that using this stuff isn't always easy <laughs> in evaluation criteria. We'll, we'll do a whole separate episode at some point on the difference between the five layers versus three when you're doing past performance. But the point is, if you don't have a good CPARS, you're not going to get that green. <laughs> you are definitely going to get either the yellow or the red. You're, you're going to be in that bottom two thirds unless there's something, some evidence in your CPARS that you've done a good job. Absolutely. Okay, so let's back up. What's the process? Like, walk me through what the what the government's process is for a CPARS. I'm going to probably repeat this, but the first thing people need to understand that it's um, a program office. It, it belongs to the program management office. It does not belong to the contracting office. Contracting officer, there's no stage where he's required, he or she is required to be in there. So it starts off with the assessing official. And that can be a number of people, the core, the QAE, the program manager, the quality control manager, but it, it should be somebody that has some oversight over how the contractor is performing. So this is a great example of, of this is something that the contracting officer often gets called to fix 
but it's not, it's their process to, to, I remember I, I used to have to hound people to make sure they were doing it because when it wasn't in the contract, people would call me. I'm like, but I, I, I'm, I can't do this. And so the lesson here, we talked about the three deciders in episode 118 and the economic decider, the customer and the contracting officer. Those are the three deciders in a contract. In this case, it's the customer, program manager, the core, like the person who is, who is watching the contractor perform. That's the one who is responsible for the CPARs, who does all the inputs. The contracting officer may, may or may not have a, 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 a stamp of, yes, it's done well or not. But this process is done by the program manager, by the person getting the benefit from the contract. All right, continue. Okay. What I noticed um, the last couple of years that I was working, and I've even heard of this from some of our customers, that some agencies are creating like an unformatted CPARs, so like a Word document, and they send it out to all the stakeholders, including the contracting officer and even sometimes the contract. And this allows for the discussions and concurrence before entering into the system. So they can argue over, you know, a word document and whether they think it's the right rating or the right words or whatever, because if, if you have a core that maybe doesn't really like you, but they're going to put down satisfactory, but in the verbiage, they're going to put something very negative down. So it's kind of like, hmm, satisfactory, but this is this is saying that they didn't do this. So, so I think that's a very clever idea. Uh, if anybody's out there that hasn't thought about that, you're welcome to take that from here. So then once uh, the assessing official puts it in, the contractor representative is going to receive that CPARS in the system. And if, if everything in the CPARS world is working correctly, then they're going to get an email saying there's a CPARS in the system for your review and you can concur or non-concur. So if they concur, the CPARS is finalized and published, and that probably happens 95% of the time. However, if they non-concur, then what the regulations say is that the CPARS elevated to a reviewing official, and depending on the agency, um, the reviewing official has to be at least one level above the contracting officer or one level above the assessing official. So or it would be a program manager. Okay, so uh, let, me, let me clarify here. So it's funny how it says one level above the contracting officer, implying that the contracting officer is involved, right. or one level above the assessing official. Again, so, depending on the agencies, yeah. Okay, yeah because right. like the Air Force has their own little addendum well, to, to, to the CPAR. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the other thing, you know? And then that reviewing official is going to decide whether to change the CPARs or leave the CPARs as it stands. Now, in this process, though, there's going to be a lot of rumbling. The reviewing official is going to go yell at somebody and say, why did you non-concur and what is happening? And people have now made me have to look at something I didn't want to look at. And so uh, they hate non-concurs. They just hate non-concurs. So the, the contractor basically gets their report card and, and non-concurs with it. It says, no, I, I, I think I disagree with how you've described what's happened here, whether it's the rating or the verbiage in the rating, they're, yep. they're concurring with something. Uh, so what happens when I non-concur? Is it, it goes up to this, to somebody above the, the, what you call the reviewing official, right? Is there a clock behind this? Is there a timeline? There is, there is this, the whole process from start to finish is supposed to be completed in 120 days. So it's 120 days from the last day of contract performance. This whole, yeah, this whole thing is supposed to be completed. 
Um, oh, the whole thing. Okay. How, the how whole long? Thing from start to finish. Is there a now, timeline on the reviewing official? Um, it depends on how long the contractor has waited to non concur. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> trying to be gentle with that. Uh, they're going to get a notice that's going to say you have 60 days to concur or non concur with this. I told them on the last podcast that I did with Paul, that's a lie. Um, it's not a lie. It's uh, being disingenuous. If you concur, if you non-concur within 14 days, then your C- that CPARS is never published. And it would be the, you know, the whatever they lay over that, whatever changes they agree to make, and then the reviewing official, and then that's what becomes published. If you wait longer than that 14 days and say, I've got 60 days to do it, I'm going to do it on the 59th day then that CPARS has already been published. It is out there for public viewing. And even though it may have changed, that's like a whole nother link that the people who are reviewing it have to go to, to see what the contract director is. Yeah. Okay. So, so the important lesson here is that when you say it's, it's published on the 15th day, and then even if you get them to change it, that original published version is going to be out there and it's going to be click here to see the updated version, which yes, they may or may not do. So it isn't like it's a refresh of a page, which is what no. I thought it was. No, so yeah, it shows it, you know, shows shows but, how just when I thought I knew the system. Yeah. There's but, one little piece but, I didn't but again, if you do it within the first 14 days, then you're good. And this is why you are our CPARS queen. <laughs> That's right. Please do it in 14 days. Okay. If there's one thing you learned from this podcast, do it in 14 days. 14 concur days. or non-concur in 14 days. Speaking of things to do within a certain number of days or not to do, what are a couple of things that, that you want to footstomp for the contractors to not do around CPARs? Okay. Guess what we just said. Don't forget to concur or non-concur in 14 days. <laughs> okay. So the first one. Don't forget to do it. Don't. You want you want to keep it, you want to keep it from being published anywhere. Yes. Yes. You don't want that in there. And then the second thing is don't just shrug and accept a bad CPARs. And again, unless your performance was really was that bad. I mean, you know, if, if you really suck, I mean, I, you know, then maybe you'd have no choice but to accept bad C part. But normally there is some wiggle room where you could talk to them and say, okay, we, we, in the beginning, we had a few months where it was bad, but then we fixed it. And then we had another nine months, assuming it was a one year period of performance. And, you know, and we did much better. So we kind of really would like to look at the overall thing and not just you know like at the end of three months everything was bad you know let's let's okay let's get over that let's move on so there's always more room to at least get satisfactories you know you know that you didn't do your best job and then you make sure you're not going to do that again but don't just accept the bad c parts Unfortunately, we've had more than once working for Skyway folks that they had a very good justification for why their CPARs should be changed. And I helped them out. You know, you craft it. You want it to, you want it to sound, you know, you really want it. It's one of those things, like I say, it'll just make you weep. It's, you know, it's so well put together and it's, it's just, you know, and it just shows here's exactly what we did and how we fixed it and ready to send it to them. And they say, you know, we don't really want to aggravate the agency or the end user or the program manager or whoever. We're just going to accept the bad CPARs. That is such a bad decision. 
And on top of that, you've had a couple of customers that you helped them turn a, a marginal into a satisfactory. Uh, my favorite one was when you had them, you helped them turn a satisfactory into an excellent. Because they said, we've actually exceeded. And you, you put those words together in such a way and managed the process so that they actually got better than average. So your point is, you can non-concur even if you think, no, I got an A and you're giving me a B. And while a B is fine, I did A performance. You can make the case for that too. But you got to do it within 14 days. Yeah, but you got to do it within 14 days. Push the non-concur button within 14 days. That that is the thing to do. And then the final thing is, which I just, I I just, the first time I heard this, I just thought it was the most hilarious thing I ever had had heard. There's no need to thank the government for a a good or better seat. You know, there's no need for them to respond to a a CPARs that you concur with. And honestly, some of these, when I start, when I started reading them, when I was the CPARs focal point, like the the last five years of my career, and they would say, thank you for this opportunity to perform on this contract. You won the contract. You, they're not, it's not a gift. They have to have to do a CPARs. You performed well and they rated you accordingly. And I mean, and just, and, or sometimes very long, like a whole page of how oh, thankful wow. they, yeah, like how, how thankful they are. And so I just finally started telling these guys, you know, just concur, leave it at that. No one is ever going to read. I, I guarantee you, because I would go back you know, to assessing officials, do you ever read those comments? They leave comments after they concur, you know, they're, they're like, so they're not reading them. And, and they're it's just stupid. So just, just don't do that. Just the concur button within 14 days and just let it go there, there's no need to hug your teacher for giving there's, you a good grade no there is no need to hug your teacher for giving you good grades you just earned those. well you earned it that's awesome let's baseline this in the time zones we're in the execution time zones we're firmly ensconced in the performance zone although these can come up like you said during past performance evaluation during the rfp and selection zones if you're not familiar with the time zones, we cover those in episode number three and episode number 84. The bulk of what I wanted to point out when I mentioned these here is this is a performance exercise. This is a, one of the many things that happens in the performance zone post-award, once you've won the contract, that you want to be paying attention to and doing well. We talk about why contractors are going, why, what they're doing through this and why they would care. Why, why does the government care about, about accurate CPARs? One of the things that, that jumps out at me is that a lot of times in a, in a source selection or in a selection process, it'll talk about the the past performance evaluation is done as, a, as in terms of confidence. What confidence do you do we have you can do this? So, for example, if there's if you have really bad CPARS ratings, we have a low confidence you can do this. Ergo, when you come in with a really low price, when we get to the source selection decision document, we're looking at these at these different variables, saying, okay. They say they can do this for a really low price, but man, they got a lot of bad CPARs. So there's my evidence to say that price is, is unrealistic. They can't do it for that. And we did a podcast about reasonable and realistic prices. But that's where that concept can, can get tied together is you, you, get to the, you get far enough along in the selection process that the past performance isn't a standalone decision anymore. It's combined with, can you actually do the work? And is your price reasonable and realistic? And when you look at your past performance and say, wow, they have like five bad CPARs, I don't trust anything they say because they haven't been doing well, et cetera. Uh, another really big factor here is that there's a perception that CPARs are only used on big evaluations, on big, you know, big contracts. You mentioned in previous episodes that CPARs are only done on contracts that have over, is it a million dollars in value? 
Um, it, it's service contracts over a million and commodity contracts over 5 million. And there then there's a go. lot of little baby things that fall under that, you know, medical contracts are a hundred thousand, you know. And so, and so, so a million dollar service contract is, is not a huge contract, right? And so just because this isn't something that's done through a formal FAR 15 selection process, it could be a simplified acquisition procedure. They could use it for a lot of different things to judge whether or not you can do the work. So the black eye can extend further than the big contract that you got the black eye on is my point from this is if I'm going to award you a small contract, particularly, how about this? If I'm thinking about doing a sole source contract as an 8A or, or some other reason, and I'm looking at your CPARs going, yeah, I ain't sole sourcing to you <laughs> because I got right. nothing but black. I'm taking all, all kinds of extra risk. So the, the, the reach of the CPARs seems to be expanding as people get more used to how to use it and the amount of data becomes easier to get. Because you know, back in the day, this this wasn't an easy system to to access. Oh, yeah. oh no, <laughs> it was very bad. <laughs> exactly, it's a lot easier now. It was very bad. It was very bad. But but to your point, which I think is is a great one, that even now in um you know firm fixed price, low price, technically acceptable, how they work that in because in I'm going to go out on the limb here and say that it's far part nine. Um, it says. Past performance evaluation will be done on every acquisition. Every. Wow. And so what they're doing is they're saying, okay, we have three evaluation criteria. Past performance, technical acceptability, and price. Okay. So, you know, it's a, it's a commercial item, fixed price, LBTA. But... That CPARS is still now it's an evaluation criteria and it's even with, you know, so they're putting it in there as a criteria, as opposed to having it, you know, like in the big ones where it's, you do the whole performance risk assessment you were talking about. It's just, it's an actual criteria. So they're going to say no, you know, and, and it's going to show, I think I agree with you that um, if they've had a lot of bad past performance, then they're going to be bad in other areas also. And the my 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 I'll put it out there. My hypothesis, seeing I'll go back five years Ooh, after this comes out, see if I'm right. Uh, but the easier this information is for government folks to access, the more they're going to use it. And to my to my point, you know, 15 years ago, this wasn't easy to access, and it it gets easier as as the information gets more ubiquitous and it gets easier to update in the system. Someday they'll actually update the system and make it really user friendly, and it'll really take off. Okay, so let's land the plane here. Why does industry care about CPARs? Well, as we've been foot stomping here, you can live and die by your CPARS rating. Uh, it sticks with you for a while. It's it's a forever thing, right, Shelley? Yes. Like it, 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 it isn't, never it isn't go like away. A, you it's can not like a bankruptcy a, that goes away in seven. A years. 1988 contract CPARS, if you want to. And another reason is one bad CPARS can really affect your ability to win future contracts. Um, as as we've been talking about, I think the the impact is 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 going to get broader. Just as the information is easier to access, the the, the more I, the more benefit I get from using the CPARs as a contracting officer, the more I'm going to use it. So it's I think I think there's a, a snowball rolling down the hill here. Uh, and plus, everybody likes getting a good report card. So there is a communication piece to this. Uh, we talk about communication and contact a lot in in our in our podcast. This is an example of some great communication and feedback. The, the fact that you're getting a report card at all, getting that kind of feedback is very valuable especially if there's a disconnect between 
what we think is happening versus what's actually happening. And it gives the contractor and, and, and government a chance to, to have a meeting of the minds and clean up the CPAR. That's cre- it's creating a communication mechanism, which is a good thing. And the last thing I'll, I'll foot stomp on this, it's like, we talk about it being a, a, a report card. I think of it like a credit score. Like your credit score impacts your ability to do a lot of things, buy a house, buy a car. There's all kinds of stuff that's impacted by your credit score. Well, a CPARS is this, kind of has the same look. It, it can impact a lot of the things that you do in the future and not just the contracts like the one you got the bad CPARS on. It can impact all of your work. One important thing to remember is that the CPARS process is owned by the program management chain, not the CO. So um, while people are going to go to the CO and yell if they get a bad CPARS, that's not who gave them a bad CPARS. And often the CO is not even in the chain where he gets to review a CPARS. Remember the three things not to do. Remember those, especially the 14-day thing. I can't emphasize that one enough. And the last thing I'll say is that you got to take this process seriously because it affects your effect effects, your future ability to win contracts. Uh, and, and, and even to your point, Shelly, even potentially to exercise options on your current contracts. So you, your future can be clouded by your past if you have bad CPARs. So it's worth, you know, like that fancy one, <laughs> so it's worth paying attention to these. And with that, I'm going to pay attention to the clock and wrap it up here. Thank you, Kevin. All right. I'll see you, Shelly. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast, and thanks to Shelly Hall for sharing her CPARS process knowledge. Shelly, along with the rest of Skyway's team of former contracting officers, are ready to share their knowledge with you through custom consulting and training. Visit skywayacq.com or give us a call at 877-884-5280. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next week.